Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle, creator of the Teenage Personality Quiz. Head to TalkingToTeens.com for a free PDF explaining how your teenager thinks. here today with Dr. Jennifer Salerno to talk about her book, Teen Speak. Jennifer is a nurse practitioner, author, speaker, and the founder of Possibilities for Change. In working with teens, she started to notice a lot of issues that they were dealing with that could be solved if we just kind of take a step back and give parents some tools to communicate with teens about the tough topics that teens are dealing with. So Dr. Salerno, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I can't wait. We're here to talk about mostly your book, which is Teen Speak, a guide to understanding and communicating with your teen. And I'm really interested, before we just uh, jump too much into the awesome content in this book, uh, about what inspired you to write it and how you kind of developed this obvious expertise in, uh, in kind of having difficult conversations with teenagers. Sure, yeah. I have as part of my book some just information that I don't think a lot of people know about is that three out of 14 deaths are related to risk factors. So things like texting and driving, suicide, drownings. So the greatest impact you can have on the health of teens is to screen for risk and then effectively talk through those risks that are identified. Mm. When I was working with teens, both in a primary care office and school-based health centers as a nurse practitioner, I developed um, an easy-to-use risk screening tool that's being used now worldwide by professionals that are working with youth to identify those risks that could cause harm for them now and in the future potentially but like I said earlier that's just the first step because once you learn about a risk you need to use communication strategies that help teens think through situations so that kind of led me to my doctoral work on how to talk with them more effectively and during that training a lot of the participants which were nurses doctors teachers health educators would say things like, wow, this has really helped me with my own kids. They would share stories of using the strategies at home. Mm. There's a ton of education and resources that are provided to parents with newborns pretty much through five years old. Lots of information for them, lots of excitement. But what happens with parents of 12 to 18-year-olds? There's not a ton of information most people, when you have a teenager, are like, oh, I feel sorry for you. They're not necessarily <laughs> giving you good information to help you understand where they're coming from, what their development might look like, how they might be reacting to like hormone changes and 
brain development and how to help them sleep, not just how to help newborns sleep. So all of that led me to write Teen Speak. Isn't that interesting just how much the parenting industry is focused on babies and there seems like there's so much, so many people that want to tell you strategies for putting on diapers, but not for how to have a deep conversation with your teenager about the risks that they're facing in their life. And it just seems like there's a need there. You kind of have a couple different little things that you could say in here, like uh, conversations that might happen in your house. So, um, so one of them you talk about is, for example, if your kid comes home from school and says, I hate being short, I can't do anything. So you say to start by acknowledging, then allow him to respond, and then following up, pausing for a response, and then kind of helping him start to problem solve the issue. Can you talk about wh where these steps how you came up with these steps and how we apply these in these situations? Sure. So the steps are really using um, theories like motivational interviewing and research because a lot of times we do a lot of research and we have a lot of understanding, but that never really translates to how can we use that information to help them in thinking through situations and feeling differently. Maybe like you brought up the example of, I hate being short, I can't do anything. What they really need to think about and would help with their brain development is what's underlying that. What is it that they're not able to do when they say, I can't do anything? Yeah. So maybe like you're feeling left out. Maybe they weren't able to make the basketball team. Maybe there's um, something else that a friend said. There's so much bullying going on in school. But letting them respond is really important. So you're making some assumptions on why they're, they're making that statement and then letting them respond so that you know what's underlying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like figuring out the, the deeper level mm -hmm. behind what they're really saying. So I feel like the instinct for parents, you know, it's like, oh, that's okay. There's tons of people who are short and they're Absolutely. successful. And it's like we, everybody's first, different. And, mm -hmm. Right, right, right. It's like you want to try and talk them out of it. Yep. And I feel like that's just like the the go-to impulse for any parent of any age, you know, or just a, a friend even, right, that you see that's kind of like struggling with something cool. So what you talk about instead is figuring out, you know, there, there's a reason that they're saying that, and it might not always be kind of as simple as just the words that they're saying. So just taking a second to kind of dig a little deeper and to say something that gets them to continue kind of talking about it and to say, well, what they mean exactly. And so I like what you suggest here is just kind of repeating something back to them and, and making a little bit of an assumption like about what they might have been saying and not not even like a question mark like, oh, so you're feeling left out? It's just like, oh, you're feeling left out. And that that statement kind of like gets them talking more. It's really cool. And there's a lot of questions that we ask teens that really could be statements when we ask a question, then teens feel like we're grilling them, or our, our kids can feel like we're grilling them. But when we make that same 
comment as a statement, it makes them feel like they're being heard or that you understand. So even small little changes like that can really help build a relationship with your team. Okay, so you're gonna say something like that, make a little assumption, oh, you're feeling left out, and then he's gonna respond with something, whatever it is that was behind there. The example here in the book is, yeah, I'm so short, I'll never make the basketball team. So now we see, okay, he was saying, I'm short, I can't do anything. But now that we took a second and got a little deeper, we see that, ah, really, he's upset about something related to basketball. He's not making the basketball team. So then what do we do now? So at that point, we also don't want to try to fix it because that's what we do as parents. We want to fix it. But at this point, they've started to share now why he's feeling like this. So we might say something like, um, you're missing out on time with your friends by not being part of the team. Like maybe all his friends are on the team or his good friend is on the team. And really, you're digging deeper again. It's not maybe about basketball, but it's about being with friends. Right. I'm so short I can't do anything doesn't, doesn't mean anything. But if you can try and follow it down a few levels down until you can get to something that's core, which is either they're feeling excluded or they're feeling like they're not be belonging and they're trying to gain a sense of love or validation from their peers or from adults or from other people, or they're trying to feel powerful and they're not, they're struggling to do that, right? So it's like, just, just, I didn't make the basketball team is still isn't even like, well, why is that important? And so getting it down to something that's like about belonging or significance or importance or something like that that's really, really core is cool. And that's what builds your relationship for them to come to you next time and maybe start a little bit deeper versus starting at the, you know, everything's terrible. I like it. So, okay, so then this is, we're down to kind of the end here where um, we dug even deeper than the basketball team thing and tried to say, okay, well, so that means you're maybe missing out on spending time with your friends by not being part of the team. And he might respond and say, yeah, I never see them anymore. They're always too busy. So then, so then that's an affirm, he's affirmed that you've kind of hit the, um, the true issue by saying, yeah, I never see them anymore. They're always too busy. So you've realized, okay, so it is about the friends and he's feeling like he's kind of being left out and missing out by not being on the team. So in that case, then how would you kind of uh, follow up on that? Yep. So that case, now you know, or you have a good idea that that's really the underlying issue. So you'd want to acknowledge that you heard that. So with a reflection again, hanging out with your friends is important. And then follow up with kind of that planning or that problem solving. What do you think about inviting him over this weekend? That way it won't interfere with practice. What other ways can you you know, have fun with your friend and have it be outside of that practice time or have to do with basketball is what you're trying to get them to think about or get your son to think about. So the key is really that planning piece. So instead of of saying like, oh, it's okay, you, you're short, you know, lots of people are short, we've kind of gotten down to what the real issue is and now here's where the problem solving comes in. So what can we do to fix this?
So, okay, another thing that I found really cool in this book is the next chapter is on cognitive development uh, and thinking skills and kind of uh, what happens a lot with teenagers where they just like to get in arguments for the sake of arguing. And you kind of point out that a lot of that has to do with actually their brain development and they're getting these like cognitive skills are developing and they're learning kind of how to to question things. And so in in some respects, it actually is totally developmentally normal and healthy that they're going to be calling you out and kind of starting arguments with you about your policies. Um, but so as a parent, that can be really frustrating if your kid is just constantly seems to be in argument mode. So how do you, um, you know, kind of keep the arguments productive? Mm -hmm. And this is the piece that parents gravitate to the most within the teen speak book it's kind of a foundation because once you understand what's going on with teens you have a lot more patience and empathy for this is a normal part of brain development this is a normal part of them growing and getting older and being able to take care of themselves. So the different lens of looking at it is super helpful. And if you do feel like you're getting in a lot of arguments with your teen, I put on the table like, hey, we've been arguing a lot lately. Let's kind of set some ground rules so that we're not trying to talk over each other, that we both can hear each other. I mean, really the listening piece is the most important because we know when we start getting upset about something, we say a lot of things that we don't mean to say, that we sure. kind of step back, take a deep breath. When you have rules, that it's kind of a concrete way of stepping back so that each person has to like stop talking and then listen to the other person. But really it's about listening to understand and not to respond. Another kind of side effect of the teenage brain development that's happening, in addition to them wanting to argue about everything, is drama, is that they kind of want to get overly dramatic about things. And so we sort of saw that earlier in the other example that we talked about, uh, where it's like, I hate being short, I can't do anything. Um, you know, it's like the tendency to kind of take this thing and sort of make it just, okay, I can't do anything, like blow it completely uh, to the extreme or something like that. But you had a good example in here uh, that I liked in this in this chapter also that was not about a uh, body image, but was your teen says, Jesse broke up with me. I can never show my face at school again. Uh, so how would we kind of uh, walk through this situation and, um, to help them kind of get past the drama? Sure. And this is this is something that I'm sure a lot of parents have heard, like, oh, I never can go to school again. I can't show my face. Like, whatever totally. happened doesn't even have to be with another person. It could be something they did in class or something, something embarrassing. embarrassing happened. Yeah, yeah totally. exactly. So uh, the example that I use in the book is really about trying to get them off of that statement. But you have to be very careful with your tone and how you come across when you use a reflection like I'm going to give you the example of to try to get them to back down their statement. So you might respond with something like, you'll have to drop out of school and get a GED. Yeah, right. It kind of throws them off a little bit of 
because they're expecting you to be like, well, you're going to school tomorrow and there's nothing that's going to stop that and uh-huh. to kind of get them to move forward. Or like, that's no reason to not, have, don't not quit. go to school. Don't give up. Like, yeah. yeah, 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 right. Yeah. So there's a lot of, of typical responses that we have, which are, are perfectly okay. But if you want to try to be more effective in getting them to think through, like, okay, what I said was was a little bit dramatic. It's probably not going to happen that I'm never going to school again. So using a statement like that can help them sometimes get off of that kind of stance. And you could follow it up with a question that gets them to think through. So what would it take for you to feel okay going to school tomorrow? Because that's what's going to happen. We don't have to a lecture about you're going to go to school. Like, what will it take for you to feel okay going to school tomorrow? You know, sometimes if kids are just really, really upset about something, they might be like, nothing. Then <laughs> you may follow up with something like, well, we both know that you have to go to school. I care about you and really want to help you figure out what it is that you need to make things easier. So, okay, let's talk about the difference between intention and behavior. There's certain there's certain situations, like one of them we talk about in here is like, hey, if you have a son or daughter who's made the decision to wait and have sex, you know, uh, oh, great, good. Mm-hmm. You Perfect, know, I'm jackpot. so happy. All right, yeah. good, you know, brush my hands off conversation over great you're gonna wait good but of course you know um they might be completely serious in that that's what their intention is but intention is not the same as actual behavior and they may very well find themselves in a situation where things happen so um as a parent uh if you're kind of in one of the situations where you know you feel like you've kind of made a breakthrough. Your teen is saying, oh yes, I don't want to use drugs or I want to be abstinent. Um, that, you know, that's great. But so then how do you kind of follow up on that to make sure that it really happens as opposed to kind of just being a, a nice thing that they think? Mm-hmm. And a lot of teens do have those intentions. They do want to wait to have sex or they don't intend to text when they're driving or use alcohol or or nicotine, any of those things. And they don't actually think about what happens when I'm in that situation. So coming back to kind of what we talked about earlier, we want them to do the thinking because we know what they could do or we have a lot of ideas of what they could do. But if they don't <laughs> say it themselves and think about it themselves, it's kind of in one ear and out the other for the most part. So you may start with, if you are talking about the situation where your son or daughters made the decision to you know, not have sex when they're in high school or maybe not even that specific, just right now is not a good time for them. They don't feel like it's, it's the right time. And then now they're in a romantic relationship that seems right. to be getting deeper serious yes those are the times that parents get really scared and anxious because to have the conversation now feels more real than when you're having it before when they didn't have that opportunity or situation necessarily mm, yeah when it's in the abstract mm-hmm. it's all fine and good but when we're sitting in front of yeah sure okay yep so you want to 
start out with some type of statement that shows them that you understand where they're coming from, where they're at, what they might be thinking. You might say something like, it can be hard to wait to have sex when you're in a relationship. And I know that you are really committed to do that. And then see how they respond to that. So you're kind of reminding them of the discussions that you had before without saying something like, oh, you said you're going to wait to have sex. Remember? Yeah. And they're like, well, (laughs) you are really committed to that. And I know it can be hard when you're in a relationship. And then stop talking. That's the hardest part for parents. And let them kind of respond to what you said. And there's not really a question in there. Yeah, so you're just kind of throwing a statement out and you're kind of just trying to get them to jump and to reflect on it a little bit. And then you might ask a question. So you're not just leaving it there, but you are giving them the opportunity to kind of respond to that. And then you would use one of those questions like we've we've mentioned a couple times. Like, what do you feel you need in order to keep that commitment to yourself? And they may have ideas or they may not because they may not have thought about it yet. A lot of teens are not Mm -hmm. thinking ahead. That's a normal part of development. And an important piece is also give them a few seconds of silence. And a lot of people are uncomfortable with silence, but it can be really thought-provoking to just give a few seconds. And if they say, well, I don't know, And you want to give them a few seconds of silence, you could say, you know what, I really care about what you think, like, take a few seconds, take a few minutes to think about Mm. what you might do or what you might need, because it's important for me to hear what you think about it. We're here with Jennifer Salerno talking about tips from her book, Teen Speak. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. Anytime you ask permission and they say even okay or shrug their shoulders, they're hearing more of what you have to say. We may ask them, you know, why are you going out for basketball? And it automatically feels like I need to defend that. So what I found when I was learning about these strategies is that it's fairly easy to change a why question to what Well, a really good example that I use with uh, in workshops and in the book is thinking about open-ended questions. But sometimes we still get one or two word answers. So I know we hear from people all the time, like, how was your day? If I asked you, Andy, how was your day? What's the typical response to that? Mm, great. Fine. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And with teens, they'd be like, same, or they'd be shrug their shoulders or okay. And parents, <laughs> a lot of times we ask them this question about all the different things. They'll come in from school. How was school? How was practice? How was basketball practice? Yeah. How was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How was this? How was that? And then it feels like we don't really have a connection or we're not really communicating with our teens. So instead of saying how is or how was, ask them in a way that, is using a different fully open starter like tell me about so if i said andy to you tell me about your day 
Mm-hmm. Then you start going through, here's what I did this morning, and then here's what I did, and something funny happened at lunch, and et cetera, et cetera. It gives you so much more information. And that's the one thing I hear back continuously from parents, like, this was so great. I learned so much from my team. We just had this conversation because I said, tell me about soccer tryouts. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get unlimited access to all the interviews I've conducted. It's completely affordable. And your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.